Welcome, welcome, Rosebuds, to Chapter 2 of The Haunting of Bevan House in our channel series, Black Rose Originals. If you're new to our content, welcome as well. During the week, we have a series on our channel where I read standalone paranormal and ghost stories that are mostly fan-submitted and are true or completely fictitious. You Rosebuds decide at the end which ones were true and which ones were made up. However, this ongoing series, Black Rose Originals, will air only on Saturdays and will keep with that same theme. As you listen to this longer story, you get to decide whether The Haunting of Bevan House has a kernel of truth or if it's completely made up. Of course, I won't be revealing whether this story is true or fictitious until next week's episode. So if you haven't listened to part one of The Haunting of Bevan House, you'll want to do that now. As for everyone else, on to chapter two. In the winter of 1999, I had just started my senior year in high school. Unfortunately, it was also the year my father fell very ill, with unexplainable chest pains and a cough that the doctors couldn't identify. Eventually, they put it down to a rare fungal infection spreading through his lungs. They didn't know how he could have contracted it as it wasn't native to New England and he had not traveled abroad to the areas where he should have gotten it. Even further, the doctors thought he contracted it somewhere in our house. However, this didn't make sense because the rest of us should have also been ill with this infection. Even though my father's illness would become very stressful, it was a small blessing that my parents were diligently savvy regarding saving money. Unfortunately, my father had to stop working and my mother took a sabbatical to care for him. Luckily, because of their prudence and the lack of a mortgage, they managed to save quite a bit of money they could draw from during that time. One evening, I sat at my desk with my earbuds in listening to my music loudly and finishing up an essay for my English class. I had not heard my mother come in, so when she tapped me on the shoulder, I startled. I almost didn't turn as it was common for the ghost to poke at us when we were unaware. Then I heard her voice over the music. Pulling my earbuds out, I turned to face her. Oh, hey mom, what's up? My tone remained casual, but being an empath, I could feel that my mother was distressed. It was more heightened than the normal low thrumming anxiety she harbored as of late. Your father and two sisters are going to Grandpa Jay's this weekend. I'd like you to stay behind and help me with something. I raised a quizzical eyebrow. You want my help? Yes, Sally. We've never really talked about it, but when it comes to the ghosts and paranormal things, I think you know you have a special way of handling it. I was stunned for a moment, then said, Honestly, I hadn't considered it. It's just been a part of my life for as long as I can remember, so it's like whatever. I shrugged casually. I've invited someone to visit our house this weekend while your father and sisters are gone. I'd like you to be here so that you can talk to her. My mother was usually not this elusive, and I felt a mixture of being both concerned and intrigued. Um, okay, who is it? I'd rather not say. You'll find out when she... My mother paused for a moment. Gets here this weekend. I know it's short notice, but if you have any plans, please cancel them. This visit is in the interest of your father's health. 
And I know it's a strange request, but please don't mention this to your father or sisters. I did have plans to hang out with my friends that weekend, and I usually would have protested, but my mother's foreboding tone and demeanor silenced all my objections. I agreed by simply replying, okay mom, sure thing. I tried to smile to lighten the mood. My mother rested her hand on my shoulder, squeezed it, then quickly left the room. That had been Wednesday night when she approached me. So the following two days seemed like an eternity as I burned with curiosity. I wanted to press her further, but I could never find her alone. She was always by my father's side. I was like any other typical teenager when it came to sleeping in on Saturday mornings. Arising any time before noon was ludicrous. I barely slept that Friday night, but despite that, come Saturday morning, I was up bright and early preparing for our mystery guest. I guess I wasn't up bright and early enough because I heard voices downstairs. It would seem our mystery guest had already arrived. I rounded the corner and went down the stairs into the kitchen to find the one and only Lorraine Warren sitting at our kitchen table across from my mother, casually sipping coffee. I stopped and my mouth hung open in surprise. My mother began to introduce Mrs. Warren when I rudely interrupted. I, I know who you are. Mrs. Warren smiled kindly but didn't reply. I continued to blabber on in my fangirl moment. I read your book, Ghost Hunters. It was excellent. You did? My mother asked, clearly shocked. Before I replied, I realized three other people were in the kitchen. Another woman and two men standing behind the kitchen island near the refrigerator talking amongst themselves. Unfortunately, their conversation ceased, creating an awkward silence. I suddenly felt all eyes on me and had become abashed. I had always felt embarrassed reading about the paranormal, so I kept my morbid interests to myself. Other than my weird fascination with horror movies, None of them knew that I read books on ghosts and paranormal experiences in my spare time. Uh, yeah, well, I had a book report, and Mrs. Fields told us to choose something we wouldn't normally read, and it seemed kind of cool. My voice trailed off to be replaced by the awkward silence again. Lorraine suppressed a sly smile as she lifted her coffee cup to hide her bemusement. My mother introduced me to Mrs. Warren's team. Unfortunately, her husband was ill and could not attend the investigation that she and her son-in-law and the two other women were going to perform over the weekend. If they sensed any malicious entities, Lorraine would then perform a blessing to attempt to cleanse the house. I was awestruck by this, as I knew my mother experienced things in our home with the same intensity. She was never in denial like my father. Still, she often kept a stoic demeanor and followed my father's lead in remaining quiet on such matters. Lorraine spoke up. Your mother believes that your father has become ill due to the paranormal activity in your home. I could already sense that there were strong energy fluctuations here when I entered your home. I don't want to be preemptive, but I suspect your theory may be right. She turned to face my mother as she said this last statement. I was rendered speechless. I had never considered the possibility of my childhood home being the cause of my father's illness. How did the ghosts make my dad sick? I blurted out. 
I instantly admired Lorraine's quiet voice and calm demeanor. It's not uncommon for residents of a home imbued with intense paranormal activity to fall ill with unexplainable symptoms or diseases. But, unfortunately, I've seen this sort of thing before. Lorraine and her team carefully and meticulously moved from room to room, conducting their investigation. On the first two days, they merely observed, recorded, and documented anything they found that was of note. At the end of the second day, Miss Warren informed us that she believed our home was a gateway to paranormal activity. She explained that my mother and I were spiritually sensitive to these entities. Therefore, many who had not crossed over would find their way to this portal and stumble into our house. Some were angry because they couldn't cross over. These spirits wanted our help, and they would reach out to us. Other entities that came through the portal were not looking for help, but were merely malicious. Lorraine said that she experienced both light and dark entities. Ultimately, she could cleanse the home and attempt to block off the portal. Still, she was honest and admitted that it was likely beyond her skill to barricade the energy opening completely. I thought back on all my experiences throughout my childhood, and suddenly this gave me so many answers to questions I never knew I had. Yet, it made me feel unsettled. Later that night, after Mrs. Warren and her team had left, I asked my mother, Why did you want me here today? You said you needed my help, but I didn't really help. My mom cracked a small smile. It was the first time in weeks. When I talked to Mrs. Warren about my family, she asked me many questions. First, she said I should send your father and sisters away for the weekend. Then she requested that you be present if that was possible. Me? I sputtered. I was a little surprised at first, but then I thought about this, and I wasn't. I still asked my mother, why? Salie, I agree with Mrs. Warren that you and I both have special spiritual gifts. I believe her when she says that our gifts act somewhat like a lighthouse for the souls who are lost. But, unfortunately, neither of us knows what we're doing with our gifts. As a result, we've attracted harmless and malicious spirits into our home over the years. I was stunned to hear my mother speak like this. Of course my mother was a good Christian woman who prayed, so she wasn't wholly skeptical of spirits on the other side. However, I had no idea... She felt that her and I both had gifts of unique spiritual abilities. I just don't know what to do anymore, she said helplessly. I felt a rush of so many thoughts and emotions due to the day's occurrences, and it was hard to process all of them. I didn't know what to say to my mother, so I merely reached across the table and held her hand. My mind was racing with so many thoughts, I barely slept that night. I think I sensed this gift was always there, but this was the first time I was consciously aware of it. I wasn't sure what to make of it or to do with it. It's probably difficult for the outside observer to understand how I could come to accept these paranormal entities in my life. Still, there wasn't a time I could remember them not being there. By morning, I was resolved to talk to Mrs. Warren about this gift. 
Now, I had the rare opportunity to speak to someone who had made a career from their talent. I didn't want to distract her from her work, but I didn't know who else to turn to for answers. I couldn't explain my nervousness before they began the cleansing. I knew it was now or never. So what did you think of Saley's encounter with the famous Elizabeth Warren? If you love ghost stories and the paranormal, that name should ring a bell. Forming any theories about whether this is a true tale or not yet? Well, you'll have to wait until next week where we'll conclude the final chapter of The Haunting of Bevan House. Until next time, take care and stay creepy.